You are now listening to The Jason D'Amico Show. Man, we're here. We're alive. Live, huh? We're uh, holding out in the, the bunkers of our studios. <laughs> the whole world collapses <laughs> due to it. the corona outbreak. Greetings, folks. Welcome back to The Jason D'Amico Show. And I've been waiting a long time for this episode. And we've had to reschedule this thing like... 20 times because of <laughs> schedules and yeah. now the corona apocalypse so you know but we're here we're making it happen walk around with our masks uh very good friend of mine for years he's by far one of the most talented guys that i know in the triangle area of north carolina when it comes to sound engineering live sounds writing production recording uh, specifically in the metal and rock genres. Um, educated as well, Full Sail University. And we'll just leave it at that. Please welcome to the Jason Amico Show, my good friend, Mr. Trey Richardson. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Good to see you, dude. I love yeah, the jacket, too. by the way. I just noticed. Thanks. The, uh, oh, it's comfortable. It's a flight it's a full, jacket. Full Sail. Right? Yeah. That's and if cool. I ever get lost, I can turn it inside out. <laughs> Everybody can see me for a mile away. So, um, and I heard the Hemi coming up. Yeah, yeah. Finally got it fixed. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing the Facebook posts on that, I was like, yeah. That's going to sound good when that thing's back up and running. And sure enough, you know. I finally gave we... it the nickname Ticker. <laughs> not going to get rid of the tick, man. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, she's running good. That's cool. So listen, you know, we, we always go pretty extensive on the, we, we get in extensively on the show with kind of like beginning stages. So we'll just start there. Uh, you've been in the game for a while, um, as have I, but how did this start for you as far as musically? Cause you've had a range of talents and, and, and multiple hats, vocals, guitar, drums, multi-instrumentalists. Mm-hmm. How did it start? Uh, well, being raised as an only child. Um, you and I both. I yeah. never knew that. I've got half brothers, half sisters. Okay. Didn't meet them till I was like 16. So, you know, growing up, I was kind of like, I had my friends, but none of them were into music. So I, my mom, she was like, uh, I don't want you getting into drugs. I don't want you to get into trouble. So here's a drum kit. So about five years old, I started playing drums. Um, about age of six or seven, you know, I was playing bass guitar and, my mom kind of fed all this stuff to me. She, you know, fed instruments, right. fed everything to me. Um, by the age of 10, I started playing guitar, and that's kind of where I wanted to be. So it's more drum and guitar type thing. And uh, uh, I remember riding in the car when I was five, six years old. My mom's blasting Metallica, headbanging in the car, <laughs> beating on the steering wheel. And I'm like, Mom, cut it off. And, like, now I'm listening to way heavier stuff. So That's funny. Um, but, yeah, kind of got into music that way and just jammed as a kid and started writing my own stuff. You know, I didn't really – a lot of stuff I wrote back then I probably would never be able to remember now. But, you know, it was a good start. And then, you know, steadily so – pretty much self-taught. Yeah, self-taught. Wow, yeah, man. for the most part. Um, I, you know, growing up, I had uh, Mike Morgan, who used to play for Zoso Led Zeppelin. Yeah, and he played yeah. with them for, God knows, eight or nine years. My parents grew up with him, so he would show me stuff on guitar. Um, we'd go out to a buddy of his studio, and it's kind of like in the garage, a room built like this, kind of for a studio. Yeah, and we just sit in there and jam all the time, man. And that's kind of like you know, I got into it really hardcore then. 
What, who are some of the major influences? Uh, and I know, like, we have similar metal background. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, but any just kind of a good five or ten names that pop off. I'd have to say my biggest influence as far as guitar would be, uh, when I was younger, it was Vivian Campbell and Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. Um, I'm still an Eddie Van Halen freak. Man. Oh, me too, um, man. Me too. As I got older, it ended up being like Marty Friedman, Dave Mustaine. Um, never was really too into Metallica, but I did like James Hetfield's rhythm playing. Yep, same. Um, same. And as far as drums, I'd have to say uh, Alex Van Halen. And, and actually now one of my, my biggest like influences in drums is uh jason bittner um he's oh, uh yeah. shadows fall yeah he yeah. was awesome man and that band even playing by themselves without a singer i mean you can listen to that there's they, a lot of guys that i never even heard of until social media happened and then they they were um and maybe it's because of because i'm still in my 20s but uh like ray luzier oh yeah and a lot of yeah. these guys i didn't even he's know he's amazing they were, i didn't even know they were around and then you look at their mm -hmm. discography or you go to their Wikipedia page, and it's like, man, he was playing with David Lee Roth in the oh, 90s. Yeah. I had yeah. no idea. So there's mm -hmm. like all these great A-list players that get kind of like a B-list notoriety. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, Richie Kotzen, like in guitar. Like yep. these are guys just like, oh my God, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Didn't know they existed. Well, Chuck Berry, that was one of my biggest like rock and roll influences when I was younger. You got too. to see him live too. Oh my God. Yeah. Once. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It was yeah. cool. I love Chuck Berry and, and Ray Luzier, man. He's, he's when he started playing with corn, mm -hmm. that's when he really showed off his skill, man. I yeah. mean, he's just the way the guy plays. He's Stupid happy, when tight. He's happy when he's playing yep. too, man. That's the yeah. best part about it. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's funny that you and I both drums are kind of like how everything started. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, what about vocals? When did that start coming? Because you've got a great, I mean, your range is just insane. And I never even realized it until <laughs> Aviator. The, the impromptu, uh, uh, what, what were we playing? George Thurgood. George Thurgood. Yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've always been an Alice in Chains fanatic. Yeah. Um, Chris Cornell and uh, Lane Staley, they were my two biggest influence for vocals. So growing up, you know, I used to try to hit all the notes, try to uh, mimic their voice. And it's funny because I used to be the class clown in school. So I'd always, like, make fun of people. You know, when they talk, if their accent was funny, I'd copy <laughs> that accent. So, I, you know, I can kind of copy anybody's voice. And um, when I first heard Alice in Chains, um, it, it really it gave me chills. You know, I was like, this is... This is awesome music. Yeah. And a lot of people don't like Alice in Chains. And I don't understand why, because it's, you know, it's grunge rock, man. I mean, it's it's anger, it's sadness, it's depression, it's happiness, it's partying. I mean, yeah. it's everything in one genre. Yeah. So listening to Lane Staley and Chris Cornell, that that's what did it for me, man. So Yeah, it's kind of funny how in that genre, everybody was just a killer vocalist, whether it was Kurt. Oh yeah, or or Vetter. Or, the range was from here to here. I mean, it and, was, and and the the tonality, the rasp. Mm -hmm. uh, I never really saw that in any other genre, maybe metal. You know, like a Phil Ensemble type of thing, where the, the first part of the career starts with more of the um, Judas Priest type of just incredible range, and then it just turned into a blast, yeah. vocal fry. Yeah. You know, just melt God, i remember pantera when they did message in blood 
Yeah. That was crazy. I've never heard Phil sing like that. I mean, way up here. Like, ah! You know, it's, it was insane, man. And then, of course, you know, you get the other albums that's coming out by Pantera, and he's just more in the stage of everything. So yeah. that first album kind of that set the the mark for metal, man. I mean, with, with the vocals on that, the guitar playing, the drums. Uh, yeah, that was... Um that that was before Cowboys from Hell, then, uh-huh. right? Yeah, yeah, man. I think what was the other one? What was the one after Cowboys for Hell? Reinventing the Steel or something like that. That was the last one. That was the last one. Uh, where he's punching the mm-hmm. that's that's the uh, man I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, same he here. Walks on there, uh-huh. I think, and uh, it opens up with new level. Yeah, and now wait. Oh my God! Mouth of War, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mouth of War, I remember that. I'm I'm giving five more seconds on this, and then we're googling it. I cannot believe this. I mean, this is like one of the most listened to records in my in my. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank. I'm drawing a blank on it. It was uh, see, reinventing the steels one. That's the well, Far Beyond Driven came after the one that we're talking about. Dude, this is embarrassing, man. Um, that happens, man. There's so many albums out there. That is incredible. Yeah. It, it, Pantera Not- was a big influence. Pantera had to have been a big influence because the metal stuff that we're writing now is... Uh, I'm going to have to Google it. I can't, <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe this. This is ridiculous, man. But, no, I mean, and with Vinnie Paul passing away, it's I still can't. I just can't believe it. Yeah. I can't believe he's gone. Yeah, the guy that uh, Mike Morgan, he's actually was friends with the guys in Pantera, and uh, he got to jam with Down a few times, and he actually went to uh, Dime's funeral, uh, but wasn't able to make it to Vinny's, man, and it, it was just sad. I mean, just to see the look on his face, you know, close musician friends that passed away. And, yeah. And it seems like, you know, was it last year or year before last, musicians were dropping like flies, man. I mean, they were yeah. just a lot of the big... We lost, um, I think it was like in 20... 20- 17 or something I, we lost Ray Manzarek and John yeah. Lord in the same mm-hmm. year I was like you've got to be I mean this yeah. is like, like my two favorite rock key organist yeah. players and it's just like gone yeah uh, better do good in this world because uh, we got a time's know, running out well That's yeah right. I mean what kind of world are we going to leave for Keith Richards <laughs> <laughs> You know, <laughs> so true though. <laughs> Keith Richards and Ozzy, man. So now we're now we're literally going to punch ourselves in the face like the um, the album artwork. Vulgar display of power. Vulgar display of power. God, that was it. freaking yep. idiots, yep. man. Yeah, yeah. So that came out in '92. Far Beyond Driven was '94, which is that dude. That one is just so brutal, man. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, so I love. I mean, they, they didn't have. The way Pantera wrote everything and the way everything was produced, the only thing I'd have done different was uh, stop cutting out the mids in the mix. <laughs> have you noticed that? Like all yeah. the instrumental mids are just cut. There's yeah, no mids. Yeah. But uh, the 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 way it was produced, the way it was written, the drive that all the albums have. I mean, they didn't write one bad album, and you don't find bands anymore that that do that. They can write a whole album and and people can just click play and listen to the entire thing. Um, now everything's singles, which is good. You know, the single market, it's 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 gotten better doing singles because of media, because of the internet, because of being able to download music online. That really changed the music industry. So that's something we have to follow now. Oh, yeah. 
and it's uh it's hard to make it's hard to make a living now with uh writing and producing. well let's see what happens after this this is another curve yeah it's gonna another take a while for a jump start <laughs> well what we'll segue into your uh your education and background with full sale mm-hmm. uh some of the because i think there were some folks that came in. I remember you talking about Sylvia Massey. Oh yeah, she came in. Yeah. I think did a master class there at one time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just just talk a little bit about Full Sail because it's obviously one of the the most prestigious around. Yeah, um, it's it's competition with Berkeley, and you know what's funny is we actually have done some stuff with Berkeley. So Full Sail and Berkeley has actually worked together on a few things, um, but for the most part, they are two competing uh, you know schools. Yeah. So um, Full Sail was. That was kind of my buddy Dennis Brown that used to work with me in the studio. Um, you know, we did stuff together. He's a producer and he's an engineer who's awesome, who lives in Lenore now. So cool. he was like, I want to go to Full Sail. And I was like, hmm, <laughs> let me think about that. So I ended up joining Full Sail and the, t- the instructors there, they're awesome, good people. Um, if you have any questions, they always answer your questions. They're always there to help. And even after you graduate, you can go back and take classes, updated classes for free. That's cool. You don't have to pay for it. That's cool. And they're, they're still there to help you. Um, Full Sail was good. I, I did get the bachelor's degree from them. Uh, music the four, production. Four-year program. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, music production and uh, music business. So it, it was a... I kind of went in there knowing a lot of things already, but there was a lot of stuff that they showed me that I didn't know. And to expedite maybe the, the process. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, it is... It is... If you don't organize your files as a producer... You know how that is. <laughs> naming. Naming conventions. You always got to have the same naming conventions. Yep. And that was the biggest thing that we did at Full Sail. I, I wanted that through trial and error in my teen years. Yeah, yeah. Like, where's that file? Where did uh, I? There are no well, songs and, and, there. And the crazy thing is Pro Tools was such a bitch. Oh, yeah. In, like, the 8 generation. Because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. when I started was back in 08. Yeah. I was 14 or something like that. And, you know, it, it was just like nailing jello to a wall with the f- back now with the digi 003s or whatever <laughs> yeah and the characters were you couldn't have more than like 11 characters uh-huh. in your file and, and everything were like truncated improperly yeah. so now with 12 it's like oh this is nice yeah it's a lot like easier there, and your plug-in folders are yeah. very very uh organized on their own you know third-party plugins come in fairly fairly easily but yeah there's definitely a change mm-hmm. there i'm glad that they Thank you, Avid, for well, see, they, dumbasses like me. They started us on Pro Tools 9 in, um, at, at Full Sail. Yeah. And, of course, we had the student upgrades where we got upgrades free for four years. And thanks, Avid, for <laughs> changing every year. But um, And it's funny because, you know, we, we do that. You know, we did everything on laptops. And, and when I first started producing and engineering, you know, I'm sitting at a console bigger than this table. And I'm just like, wow, you know, what am I supposed to do with all this? And... Man, I got used to it. I got used to working analog. I got used to running rack gear. I got used to reamping, you know, all that stuff. And then going to software was a totally different world. And most of what they taught um, was to kind of fit the engineering styles and production today where they would sit there and basically compose all songs, instruments, everything on a laptop. And it sounded like real instruments. Like, you know, you had contact by complete... um, 
contact was really good because you can do horns, you could do violins, you could do whatever. Right. But um, it was a good school, man. I mean, I learned a lot. Ended up graduating um, the third highest in my class. Um, they every year that I made straight A's, one hundreds in classes, they would give me a scholarship each year. Wow. So cool, instead of man. owing ninety thousand, I rolled up out of there owing like forty eight. So it, it's it not bad. Yeah, it made a big difference and. I think I, I was mostly prepared to go to that school um, from high school. I mean, you know, middle school, I was in band. Um, high school, I was in band. I was a drum major. I could play all the concert instruments, woodwind, brass, whatever. Um, and then it technical helps. theater. It helps having yeah. that, that, uh, mm-hmm. that background for sure, because I grew up doing musical theater, playing in band. You know, I hate reading, still hate reading to this day. Yeah, sight reading especially. I, like, yeah. I mean, I, I love reading books, but as far as, you know, sight reading, it's just, mm-hmm. it's like on the spot. It was never really a passion of mine. Right, right. Um, but it was, I'm glad that I, I trained, I got to have Merritt on the show, Merritt Partridge <laughs> from 2012, because yeah. he was my teacher for 10 years, and he was always pounding me from like 98 to 08, you know, yeah. when I was with him. You got to read a little bit, got to read a little bit every, mm-hmm. every day, every week. So it's not I like riding read. a bike. If if you don't do it for a while, man, it's old. It's old rusty. <laughs> it does. It so, does. But yes. Yeah, so I, I I attest and and uh, totally resonate with you know that that background because mm-hmm. it helps you know yeah. for not and even I think in ways production wise like understanding the ensemble fit whether it's a four piece or a forty piece. Mm-hmm how those frequencies behave, how parts can be manipulated. And with that being said, Death Cadence started really at full sale in a way, right? Because that was- Well, Death Cadence started... I started writing a lot of the music from the first album um, when I was in high school. Um, oh, wow. Didn't really write many lyrics to it. Just kind of wrote some lines, you know, guitar stuff. I ended up... Uh, pretty much... 90% of the Death Cadence music is composed, written, uh, produced, mixed, mastered by me. I mean, it's kind of like that's my... Death Cadence is like my love child, you know right. I mean? Anything that goes through my mind, normally it comes out in my music. Um, first album was insane, and, and it was... It's weird. It's kind of like we took the hip-hop backbeat and put it with metal. So if you listen to the drums or you listen to the bass, a lot of that's kind of hip hop style. Yeah. And you know, I grew up in Durham, so yeah, right? I thank God I'm still alive. <laughs> but but yeah, that's kind of how it rolled out, man. And then when I went to full sale, that's when I started writing the lyrics. I started, you know, getting the ideas. They taught us how to song write, how to stick with the industry standards as far as form or metering or mm-hmm. anything like that. And it just kind of popped out, album one. And then in the midst of recording album one, I'm sitting here already writing album two. So I'm kind of like cross-mixing the two together. And album two, I was like, I want it to sound, you know, balls out analog. I don't want it to be so digital like mm-hmm. the first album. Mm-hmm. So we just did like pretty much rough takes on the second album that ended up being what's on the second album now. Awesome. So, yeah, it was crazy. You guys have a new release um Blood Money came out recently. Yeah, with the music video. Yeah, that was my first music video I've ever. I've never edited a music video before, so it took six hours. And actually, uh, my girlfriend Karen was sitting behind me the entire time watching me edit, and she's like, that's cool. That's cool. I thought it was great. What gets me is that last, I think it's the last 
edit cut you and the um like the AR. Oh or yeah, the, it's it's just the like shotgun down, the Agent like, Forty Seven thing. Yeah, that was actually like I wanted it to look kind of like the end of the Hitman movie where he's actually holding a sniper rifle. But I figured, you know, I wasn't standing on top of a building, so sniper rifle would kind of be meh. I but, just uh, think it's a great riff. Um, she's vocally. I oh, mean, yeah. it's Cara's amazing. I think it's yeah. a great fit. Let's see what happens because mm-hmm. I know it's still kind of a new transition. You oh, guys yeah. have had a couple of singers, yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I really, I really like what I'm seeing and hearing. Well, we started out um, when Death Cadence first started. Um, we had a completely different lineup than what we have now, and uh, the first singer was kind of like Lamb of Godish, you know, kind of sound. Mm-hmm. And that's when we got the name Death Cadence, and. Uh, and of course, we went to Jeff Ivey, who's, uh, I call him a crooner, um, but he's, you know, that was a really different change. And that's when the music kind of started evolving, kind of yeah. changing. Well, because we all know everything has to support that vocal at the oh, end yeah. of the day. So, mm-hmm. you know, you mm-hmm. change the singer, you change kind of the sound of the whole band, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a completely different animal. Yeah. And then having Cara in the band, too, um, the transition on that the, the last album, which we ended up, it was going to be a 10-song album. We ended up doing it part one and part two because of the singer changeover. So if you're listening to the second album, Bilaterality, part one, song four, Cara is doing backup vocals. Mm. in song five Kara is the lead singer um and when we heard her do the backup vocals and and jeff decided to roll out of the band we were like let's call Kara." right and she was she's like yes i'd love to do it and of course she's still playing with shoot the thrill the uh all girls acdc yeah 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 Yeah. but yeah and and it's that you know that changeover so now when we're doing part two it's going to be another five songs we're also going to throw the off the cuff uh theme song on there that we did um, so that's going to be about like a bonus track. And then we're going to put the music video for blood money from the first album on the end of that. So if you throw the CD in your computer, you can watch the music video. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a major changeover album. Uh, the second half, five songs we've got, and we're already working on now. It sounds completely different. You'll mm. listen to it and go, this doesn't sound like death cadence, but then it does kind of, you know? Yeah. The forms, you know, the way I write, the forms, the the way the music changes, stuff like that, it's still pretty much me. So, um, you know, you and I, again, share kind of that multi-hat lifestyle, yeah. <laughs> whether it's by choice or by necessity. Uh, you know, audio is and production major component of what both of us do. Mm-hmm. It's cool being able to sit down in not really a loud environment or, you know, in between sound checking with monitors or mm-hmm. mains and, you know, doing yeah, you know. shows by far. Uh, and there's a lot of great, there's a lot of great engineers in this area oh, yeah. for, for live and for studio. But I mean, every time we've, been on the same bill or metal ward was running sound and new blue was playing or whatever uh it's just been a blast man oh yeah always yeah. a hell of a time and metal ward's gotten bigger i mean we've got uh scott white's my business partner now and he does a lot of videography a lot of lighting so now we're we're a big lighting company we've got a lot of more uh, plenty more sound gear yeah um so we can do any event from small to large um even outdoor three five thousand people we can do events that big too so i was going to talk about the uh 
just kind of like your process as far and i mean this we could be here for 20 hours talking about this stuff but <laughs> the uh you know the death cadence sound uh, if you could sum it into like two or three like production go-to things that you pretty much always do on one of the singles or one of the records because there's definitely a sound there mm-hmm. um what what would those elements be if you could kind of quantify it Definitely, I'm a big, like I said, started out as a drummer. Um, that's my biggest thing. I am the type of engineer that can recreate any sound I hear, um, just about any sound. But, you know, like I had the Doors tribute mm-hmm. recording. Well, I kind of did some research and right. found out how the Doors used to record, and I recorded the same way, except we didn't have, you know, I had more than four tracks, yeah. but I did it. Each instrument, kind of like we were doing four-track tapes, right. drums, uh, guitar, bass whatever you know back then they didn't have a bass player they just had keyboard player but um with the tribute band they do have a bass player so that was the kind of element i had to fit into the music and make it sound the same so it's a lot of if i can get it to sound good going in that's my main thing and a lot of engineers are you know oh we'll fix it in the mix or we'll you know we'll mess with it later no i'm the guy that's like is this the sound you want does your amp sound the way you want it you know, do your drums sound the way you want it? There's and that meme or that thing I've seen on the internet where, and it's probably been around for a lot longer than the internet, but audio, uh, track it like there's no mixing. Right. Mix mm-hmm. it like there's no mastering. Yep. And that's like gain staging. Um, sometimes I'll gain stage the same way I, I do a lot of them, which is, you know, I try not to go above a certain point. Mm-hmm. I try not to go below a certain point, try to keep the noise floor at the bottom. And then there's sometimes I'll keep the faders on zero. And if I'm recording a band live, I'll get the gain like the mix that I want. Right. You know, like, right. okay, bass is a little low, so we're going to pop it up a little bit. And then at the end of the day, I don't even have to touch the faders if it sounds good. Yeah. I mean, that's just the way I am. I like to capture musicians at their best, capture sound at their best, and just beef it up. I mean, that's, that's the best it. Just get the, per- and I'm the same way, like get the performance, you know, do as much as you can possibly before you have mm-hmm. to get into that mixing phase. And, uh, again, I think it just comes back to that similarity in analog. Yeah. Like, and like just how you don't really realize. And a lot of the guys in this day and age that kind of grew up with the garage band or the, uh, uh, fruity loops type mm-hmm. of thing. And, and that's, and I'm not knocking it. It's just like, even even on very digit digitized music, when you add that analog element, it's just like it's a what in the world? Different, yeah, yeah, you oh know? yeah, yeah. And that's you know that's the way I feel about studio stuff. I, I'm you can't recreate or you can't fix mood in a mix. You can't get that mood element fixed in a mix. If it's Great not point. there when you record it, it's not going to be there. Great point. Yeah. You have to have the mood. You have to have the element. That's Man. the main key. What? Yeah. What? Uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like, just I, well, what I'm, comes to mind with that? That's that's. I want to stay there for a second. That's, that's like really artists bad. that come in, say vocalist. Vocalist is your main mood key. Yeah, you know? and and drummer too. If if you know you got drummers that are balls out the entire song, and then you've got some that throw in the dynamics. Dynamics you can't fix either. Dynamics goes with mood. So if you're because it changes the tonality, it changes the tonality of the instrument. Yeah, which it, really can't be. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, compression will change some of that, but. 90% of my vocalists that come in, they're used to, if they've recorded somewhere else, 
they're used to actually doing multiple takes of like lines or words or whatever. I'm the type of guy that goes, sing the entire song. Let's five see times. what happens. Yeah. I want you to get that mood because if I punch you in here, you may not have that same mood that you had when you were recording before. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm the, I, you know how it is with vocals because take one compared to take 10, the, the instrument actually changes. Yep. And yep. sometimes it, depending on the song, there, there's just a quality there. It's like you can't even take anything that's not from the, the below take six. Yeah. Because well, it just doesn't have that. There's just something that's not right. Right. You it, know what I mean? It doesn't feel right. Yeah. And, and sometimes take one is great, but and oh, it yeah. works. I've had many times take one was the one that we used. And, but you got to keep in mind, too, like 90% of your vocalists that come in, if they're not superstar vocalists, they've never had any vocal lessons. They've never had vocal therapy. They don't know. Well, they're not, coming, even, they're not coming in after 30 minutes or an hour right. warming up and doing mm-hmm. their thing and just getting, yep. you know. There's people out there that did, you know, like James Lugo. I had James Lugo um, coach me a, a few times before the Alice in Chains tribute shows when I was singing for the Alice in Chains tribute. And I walked into his studio and he goes, Man, you even talk wrong. And I'm like, whoa, wait, what? So I had to change the way I talk because I used to have like a, I used to kind of talk like this. And he's like, that's not your normal voice. So now I just talk normally. You know, it's kind of in the mid high range. <laughs> and so he was like, you're going to damage your vocal cords doing that. And I used to go <clears throat> all the time. He's like, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> if you get something stuck in your throat, he's like, take a sip of water. Don't do that. So there's a lot of stuff vocalists don't know James yet. James is insane, man. Oh, he's a great James guy. James is just like. Yeah, he's a great dude. Great, great. Sylvia great Massey. talent. If you watch her videos on recording, like the way she did Tool and stuff like that, you know, there's been times where I've asked Run her online. Run around the block. Yeah. Something like that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's Nuts. Like, I'm like, Sylvia, how did you get this sound? Like, she sent me the, the, the little thing with the... It was like on a napkin where she, how she did tools base, how, you know, the routing signal chain and stuff like that. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff I've learned from other engineers, uh, Milton Davis, including, and and it's, it's insane. The world's different anywhere you go, any studio you go, it's a different world. Not everybody does things the same and there's no right way to do things. There's no wrong way. It's called your way. So, I mean, that's. Just yeah. using the ears, man. Yeah, yeah, using your talents. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we did Ian Schreier's bit at Manifold uh, last year, and that was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was where I interned. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, and we, were, we talked in depth about that, and it, one of the major things that he talked about is similar to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Every day is different. Oh, I mean, yeah. You can have you can do your pre-production for a whole day, two days. That mm-hmm. band comes in, the air is different, molecules are different, yeah, everything's different. So you know, <laughs> I mean, it, it's just strange, strange, yeah. strange. Kind of like Ghost, but that's kind of what makes it what it is, mm-hmm. though. Because mm-hmm. I've had stuff where I've tracked drums, and I'll come back the next day, and uh, snares just off a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you try We're to replace that. Try and tune it to you know in time, like in between takes, like just kind of retune a little uh-huh. bit. And it's just like yeah. that's mm. and and I've worked with some killer. I'm working with killer drummer right now. We're doing the album for um, uh, Bone Shelter, who's been the longest running metal band in Raleigh. I remember seeing them when I was a kid, 
and um, I'm doing their album, first one they've done in like 10 or 12 years. So this is going to be a big cool. release for them. Trey McLam is their drummer, and he is by far one of the best drummers that I've ever worked with. I mean, the guy's on point with his tuning. He's on point with his playing. Dynamics are there. Um, and I'm also working with, I don't know if you heard of Eyeball, his other band. They're kind of like a psychedelic rock band but it funk at the same i don't know it's weird it's oh, a it's weird cool. it's its own genre um but definitely look them up so yeah. eyeball we're doing uh two singles for them as well currently so that's that's gonna be a whole different animal because we're working with sense we're working with a wow. guitar player who she's she's insane i mean the stuff she plays it's not the it's not your normal music you know right but it still has that drive and it. it's really cool and they're creative STFU, uh, we have that written down, and I've got some other bullet points here that we were talking about before we uh, yeah. started filming, but a little bit about that project. That's Sons of the Fallen Universe. So the bass player from Alice in Chains Tribute, uh, Elio Romero, he's the one that kind of started this band, and him and Lee Hill are the guitar players. Um, Jay Harrison, my bass player in Death Cadence, he's now our bass player in STFU. But the name, uh, it was something me and Lee were joking about. I think Lee had a few drinks one night, and he was like, STFU. And I was like, hey, that's a killer band name. you know? He's like, well, what were we going to call it? And so we decided Sons of the Fallen Universe. Um, but we it. ended up getting a female vocalist in that band, too. And she's, she's working out really good right now. But it's all original. It's thrash metal. Um, I play nice. drums in this band. Nice. So back on the kit, man. Oh, it, man. It's fun. We're writing. Uh, we're up to, I think five or six songs right now, but we're trying to come out with a whole 10 song, uh, release, um, which I, I want to release singles, but they want to do a whole, you know, first album, they want an album. So right. we're going to be doing that. So I'm producing and engineering well, that you know, well. in that world, you kind of get away with it. Oh yeah. You know and it's, I mean? it's killer music, man. It's head banging killer music. And, um, I hope sooner or later, once we release everything that, you know, people enjoy it because it's a, it's a different monster than death cadence. That's for sure. We've got uh, beer. Oh, Death Cadence beer. Um, yeah, so I made friends with the owner of Aviator Brewery, um, Mark Doble. He's a, a awesome guy, loves our band. If you walk into Aviator, there's like a Death Cadence shrine in there. <laughs> it's like a curio cabinet full of Death Cadence stuff. Um, but he did. He wanted to do something for us to kind of help us boost uh, our presence around the area. So uh, Hella Pilsner beer. Um, if if you're ever around Aviator, grab Hella Pilsner beer. I, you had some last yeah, time. Yeah, it's good. It's a good beer. It's a cross between like Red Oak and uh, Yingling. He's probably going to smack me for saying that. <laughs> but uh, it, it, but he's moving it to his new distributing, um, self-distributing brewery called Maniacal Brew. So Maniacal's now going to be having our beer. Um, it's uh, I think they're going to release it again in two or three weeks once the company's finally up and running and they've right. got all the beer products out. But it's self-distributing, so anybody who wants to carry the beer can go and get kegs straight from them. They don't have to go to a distributor. Oh, that's cool, man. Yep. Mm -hmm. So that's been a big bullet point for us, too, and that's when we released the uh, the album. We did the beer release party and released mm -hmm. the album and everything all in one. I was back, was that December? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I was out of town yeah. for that. I really yeah. wanted to be there. Oh, it was fun, man. Yeah. We had a, Death Cadence is starting to draw a huge crowd now, which is good. So it was like three or 400 people there. It that's was great, good, man. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Um, yeah. When I, Did we talk about the new record? 
with death cadence yeah yeah a little bit uh, the bilaterality so doing, that is yeah, the new one that's gonna okay. be well we're doing part two which uh it's five songs and then we're moving our third album we're already kind of working towards and the third album is actually going to be a five song uh remake of covers so we're doing a cover album um basically taking songs that you never would have thought would be metal and we're making a metal that'll be cool man. yeah it's gonna be different it's gonna be different for sure and then ISSA, you guys have a couple of things pending. Yeah, that, uh, right? International Singer Songwriters Association. I'm actually an active member. Um, and just so you guys, it, yeah, let me see, see the some logo. ID. That's the I logo. didn't card you when you came in here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they're awesome. They're really supportive of all musicians. <laughs> Doesn't really matter who you are, what you play, how long you've been doing it. Um, and we just uh, recently got Angela McGowan, which is one of the, the bigger ISSA members. She kind of supports ISSA and helps them with their marketing promotion, stuff like that. Um, she's doing our promotion now. Um, so ISSA is the source, the new awards program. So it'll be either in Atlanta or Raleigh this year. I, I kind of got messed up on the posts that they were doing. So I think it's, I think it's Raleigh, but they're usually in Atlanta. Um, so anybody who is interested in trying to put their music up for an award or get recognition or anything, definitely check out ISSA. They're on Facebook, they're online. They've got websites everywhere and musicians everywhere post videos, post songs, new releases, ask questions. I mean, it's it's kind of like where musicians network together and kind of help each other push their music out. So it's a very good thing to get into. I'm, I'm happy to be an active member with them. And I'm up for some awards, and so is Death Cadence, and so is Cara. So it's pretty are there, cool. Are there links to vote? There are. If you go to ISSA uh, Facebook, they have posted a link in ISSA Facebook to vote, uh, to vote and nominate for this year. When's the deadline? Uh, end of March for nominations. So right, the end so of we'll, this month. We'll try. All right, we'll get this thing out. Yeah, within definitely. the next week. Yeah. I'll make a push for that, even though there's like 10 other people there. Oh, and I'll it. have them posted on their site too, man. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'll have, uh, just send me the links and we'll have them in the, the uh, description box. Yeah. I think right now they're up to like 15,000 members. Okay. Globally. Yeah. That's so. cool. So, um, future plans as far as, and I've got a couple other major little questions here at the end. Major little. I don't know. That's kind of like a contradiction, but <laughs> major things that don't take much time. Right, but, right, right. Uh, future plans before we get to that, just kind of like, you know, let's say five, 10 years down the road. Uh, Keep writing. Assuming Corona doesn't kill us all. <laughs> assuming I don't drink them all. But, uh, <laughs> uh, keep writing. That's what I tell everybody. Keep writing. Yeah, don't man. ever stop writing. When you stop writing, that's when the creative bone kind of gets a little brittle and, and people end up not listening to you as much because you're not pushing out new material. What, what is your writing process? I forgot to ask you that earlier. Writing process? Usually start out with music. I usually start out with music. Yeah, same um, way. And then I kind of, whatever mood the song is to me, you know, whatever feels good, I write lyrics as far as kind of to the mood of the yeah. song. 
And uh, everything I write lyrically, it, it means it's either about my life, it's about uh, you know politics. You know, we kind of we're we're a lot like Megadeth. You know, we'll write stuff about anything that that moves people. And you know, I even had a song written about um, a friend who you know had a cocaine addiction, and so many people were like, "Oh my God, this song hits home to me," mm. and uh, that makes me feel good. You know, I'm like, this is a song people can relate to. It's not a good song to be, to relate to. Right. But it helps. It's all a mind thing. So it lets people know there was somebody out there who felt the same way and, you know, helps cope with situations. That's my that's my process in writing, something that people can relate to. Um, that's kind of what I have in my mind when I start writing. And to, I guess, put, push that into bet with the original question, uh-huh. future, um, you know, I, I guess, building from that mindset as far as because yeah, at the at the end of the day, I think that's what we all strive for as artists is to be able to just leave a legacy. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, yeah, become but, a memory. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because well, you know, you're, you're never a legacy until you're dead in rock and roll. You know, <laughs> so, once you die, then you're a legacy. But um, yeah, I'm the same way, man. You know, I want to leave something behind. And and the thing about music, and this is what I tell people as far as recording too, like especially clients that come in, I'm like, you may think that you're spending a lot of money, but think about it this way. This is something you're going to have that's never going to expire and it's never going to end. It's always going to be there. You have made your mark in history right there. So, I mean, it's money well spent Any, anywhere you go, as long as you've got a good product, a good outcome with your product, you're happy with it. It's never going to expire. It's there. People are going to remember it. So, well, hopefully people remember it, but yeah, you know how that goes. Yeah. It's uh, a lot of bullshit in this business. It is. It is. And, and, uh, and you don't bring politics into the music scene. If you want to keep it on your Facebook profile, that's fine. Cause it's not your band profile. Right. <laughs> right. But politics has been changing the music scene a lot. So. It's uh yeah, and I mean the the political thing. Some people they have no problem putting it in their music. Right, they have no problem mm-hmm. at all putting it in their music. Me, I don't know, man. It's just like if you're gonna do it, fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're at a show, you could ostracize fifty percent of your audience. Yeah, right. Because you don't you don't know what environment you're well, in. I ran sound for Aaron Lewis. And Aaron Lewis got up on stage, and I didn't even know who the guy was. He brought a pig cooker to the show. He's out cooking a pig. I'm eating a barbecue sandwich. He's like, hey, man, this is really good stuff. Come to find out, it's freaking Aaron Lewis. And uh, Aaron, <laughs> Lord, Aaron Lewis gets up on the stage, and he's wearing this Trump hat. And it said, make America great again. And as soon as he walks on stage, half of the people in the audience just booed him and left. So, I mean, you know, that that's something that you don't want to intertwine with the music scene. And actually, if you listen to Dolly Parton, man, watch her interviews. And when they start talking politics, she's like, all right, another subject. You know, I don't have, you know, I have nothing yeah. to say about that. Yeah. And that's good. You don't want to, you know, like you said, you don't want to ostracize your my, audience. I mean, my line is, and, you know, we've, we've had our conversations behind mm-hmm. closed doors. Oh, yeah. But my whole line is it's like I'm not a, I'm not a politician. I'm a musician. Exactly. You know, yeah. I can't. And I think Elvis may have said that originally. But it's like, you know, people, we're in the hospitality business. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just with, like, sound and energy and, make, and vibes. We're trying to make everybody happy. Yeah. Yeah. 
We're we're in the mood to make the party happen, not to make the party shut down. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the whole key, man. Yeah, awesome, man. We're gonna move to our shootout section, which is I just say a word, and you kind of say the first word or phrase back that comes to mind. It's all industry related. I don't know why Family Guy just popped into my head when you did that, that commercial. <laughs> <with Peter. laughs> Do the whole thing in his voice if you want me to. <laughs> giggity, giggity, giggity. All right. Oh, that's good. That's real good. Oh, man, I always know. had a tr- I always. I'm not even going to attempt to do Quagmire because I always have an issue trying to get the giggity, giggity out. Like, it's hard, <laughs> Get kind of stuck with that. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Mike's. Sennheiser. <laughs> Guitar. <laughs> Ibanez. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. Yeah, hey, they're, they're doing well, man. They're or or doing EVH, well. EVH too. And, and, I, and I do use a Steinberger, so I'll say ah. Steinberger. Oh, boy. Yeah. One of those guys. Toothpick guitar. Bass. Les Claypool. Woo! Yeah. Tommy the Cat, man. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Yeah, I was watching it. that uh, the other night and just to watch him playing that is oh. like. Nasty. Hurts my hands thinking about it. Snare. Rock nine. I don't know why that just popped in my head, but that is my favorite snare. Premier rock nine. Kick. Pantera. I don't know why that popped in my yeah. head. <laughs> Kicks. Pantera. Wooden beaters, man. Toms. Alex Van Halen. Yes, sir. That's the Tom Master right there. Uh, symbols. I am a big fan of Peisty. You and I both, my yep. friend. I'll show mm-hmm. you the uh, kit before you leave. Oh, yeah. Vocal. Lane Staley. Yep. Amp. I don't use them. <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm all uh, head rush now. Uh, so, yeah. Yep. Uh, I've got a Kemper. It's, I saw that. It's done, a, done, done some work, man. Yeah, man. I use it a lot. They're awesome. Acoustic. I'm a big Martin fan. Nice. If I have an acoustic guitar, they've got, to me, they've got the the richest mid range. Oh, out and of they, all they them. never lose their value. Nah, mahogany too. I mean, good guitar. The uh, Ed Sheeran, my buddy Maverick Rose, he's got like an Ed Sheeran one. You can freaking fly on that thing, man. Oh, like, yeah, like it's butter. Like a three quarter inch scale, and it's just like, it's just yep. like, oh my god. Yeah. Compression or favorite compressor, if like you know the island. Stuck on an island compressor. Favorite you. compressor would be the Dirty Six Thirty. I call them a Dirty Six Thirty. The Thirty Elisa's Thirty Six Thirty. For some reason, wow. it's a cheap compressor, but they just sound nasty. Nice. And especially when you're working in metal music, I mean, they sound fast nasty. release. Maybe just yep. kind of like really distressor ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a couple that Dick Hodgen gave me, and um, they're actually we have Dick on the show. I got to reach out to him. Thanks yeah. for reminding oh, me. Oh, he's that. an awesome dude. Yeah. Man. Good, good producer, but yeah, uh, EQ, same type of thing. Poltec, I love Poltec Absolutely, EQs. Um, love I've, I've always been a fan of them. They just got the cleanest sound and uh, so much you could do. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially with attenuation and everything. It's yes. just, they're they're not so they're not so sensitive. Yeah, it's a strange thing. I mean, you find yourself just doing a lot with them. Mm-hmm. You could do you know one to two ticks. Sometimes cutting out three to four or five ticks, it's just like 
Damn, that sounds yeah right. Cut the EQs that your instrument's not producing, so that way you've got room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it with tubes. Yeah, exactly. Get another, get another round of analog on yep. that on that that puppy. A little more hiss. Good. <laughs> uh, reverb. Um, reverbs. Lexicon. Yeah, um, man. I, I I'm not gonna argue with that. Yeah, Lexicon's been the go-to reverb, um, and I've built a few reverb chambers myself. You know, like spring reverb units and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Playing around when I was younger, you know, just building stuff. Kind of Andrew Shep's, yes, Mister Spring guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parallel not, particles, not really my thing, but it's uh, and actually I've been really dry lately. Like the last year, really dry. I don't yeah. know why. I don't, I don't know. It's the mood, man. It's a mood thing. Mm-hmm. You go through phases. Yep. Delay. Delay. Oh my God. A slap delay. Any slap delay. Um, I'm, I'm a tape guy. Really? You like the tape? The, the real tape. Delay? The tape slap. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the Kramer tape. Have you used that? Yet? Honestly, I think it's the. Um, I th- believe it or not, I think it's the Pro Tools. Uh, stock. Stock delay. Plug in. Nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it mod delay? Mod delay or. It's tape a tape delay. It's just tape delay. It, it's yeah. Okay, I'll show it to you before yeah, you. Leave. I can't even remember that. Oh, <coughs> I have it right here. There you go. Because I have screen share. <laughs> I'm a dumbass. Let me look it up. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of different delay stuff. I've been into the Waves plugins now forever. I mean, I've got almost every Waves plugin they make. So, using some of the stock pro tool stuff as we're far recording as... so it won't show up i forgot about yeah. that anyway, uh, yeah. i'll show it to you later yeah. oh, no problem. Uh, but yeah the stock plugins i've used a lot too stock plugins kind of... man they they they, they do work. some work as man. long as you know what you're doing they work they do some work and the, the biggest i think milestone for an engineer is when they learn how to use a compressor and don't forget to hit the bypass button and when you learn that you don't have to do it in line <laughs> right yeah yeah yep Parallel, baby. Mm-hmm. That changed my life. And, yep. Kicking bass. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And everything else, too. I mean, just depending on what you want to do with it. It's um, like Andrew Shep's parallel compresses the mix. Oh, yeah. I, I Let me tell Seriously, like, after, this I, this. after I learned parallel processing, my whole life changed. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, literally. Mm-hmm. Room mics. Room mics. I'm a big road fan when it comes to room mics. I love the small pencil condensers. Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, a lot of a lot of engineers that do drums, they like to put their room mics up high. They use large diaphragm condenser room mics, just like you know, way mm-hmm. up here, mm-hmm. probably two or three foot from the ceiling, maybe two foot. Mm-hmm. I like to put them down low. I love to put them down low because I like the sound of the floor. If I hear a room, I don't want to hear slap coming off the ceiling. I don't want to hear these high. Interesting. I might try that, man. Yeah, about two foot from the floor, a couple feet away from each corner. Just kind of angle them in towards your source, man. And they sound great. Uh, Pencil condenser is the way to go for that, honestly. wonder what both would sound like. Yeah, kind of low and high. Yeah, Yeah, it'd be interesting. And then maybe Mm -hmm. like saturate shit out of the top ones just mm-hmm. to kind of get a little bit more of that mid and high yep. but not all the shriek yeah and then yeah, or your you processor got... in there too you got that mid side so we can do a mid side right, mic take right. a figure eight mic pop here take a large diaphragm pop on top aim the large diaphragm straight figure eight out to the sides you, you got, got, you got me thinking you got mm-hmm. me th- i like i like yeah. that i like that idea 
So I ask everybody this question at the end. If you could go back in time to your 15-year-old self, knowing what you know now, what would you tell him as far as advice? Watch who you hang out with. <laughs> right? <laughs> Watch who you hang out with. I had a lot of people I hung out with when I was 15 that could have gotten me arrested. So <laughs> and it's all fun and games until the cops show up. But, um, yeah, and, and, you know, if you've got a talent, if you've got something that you're interested in as a life goal or something that you just truly love and desire, hang around with people that support that. Hang around with people that will make you grow stronger in what you desire instead of hanging around people that's just going to drag you down. And I learned that, you know, growing I think I was probably about 21 or 22 when I finally decided to drop half my friends. And I'm like, you know, no offense to you, <clears throat> sort of, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's like, you're not making, you're not helping me make this change that I want in my life. So I'm just going to part separate ways. I mean, yeah. it's hard to do, but at the same time, look at the end result. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not uh, growing up, uh, you know, I'm not into drugs. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not going to jail. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's, it's all in who you hang out with. Honestly, I feel like that's the biggest part of life. Um, that is your influence, who you hang with. Um, being raised is a whole nother story, but yeah, if I was 15, if I could go back and know that the people I was hanging with back then were not gonna, you know, be any value to how my life kind of changed or, you know, how I grew into what I am now, um, I would have changed that back then. You know, and and I'd listen to my grandmother. She told me all the time, you know, you need to quit hanging out with these people. And it was bad because I'd hang out with them more than I would my friends that were really good influences. So when I changed yeah. that around, life life really turned around. It was it was awesome, man. So yeah, that's what that's I'd good. say. Yeah. Then any last words as far as yeah? You know. Oh God, the famous last words: Hold my beer and watch this. <laughs> but uh, no. Uh, Last words, uh, uh, check out Death Cadence uh, if you haven't already. It's D-E-T-H. You know, it's, uh. it's death, the measurement of radiation. It's not a weird way to spell death like dying. So check out Death Cadence. Check out Sons of the Fallen Universe. Um, definitely check out ISSA. Um, Metal Ward Entertainment's here if you guys need anything for production, live sound, uh, studio work, anything you need, we're here for you. Um, we, we love the music scene. We love working with people. So we're going to continue to do that. And, and hopefully the company just keeps growing. That's what I want to do. So, yeah. And definitely, uh, keep watching new blue entertainment over here. Oh boy. <laughs> never know what he's going to do next. It's, uh, as we've said earlier, it never ends. No, it doesn't. Man. Never. All, and, and you never, never stop learning. So no, I'll just say not. this. Don't stop learning and keep writing. There you go. Good advice. Yeah, keep writing. Good advice, man. Glad you're here. Glad we got this. And uh, just can't wait till we do the next thing together. Oh, Whatever yeah, that is. Yeah, I'm excited. Definitely. Yeah, we need to get another show going, man. Yeah, for Definitely. sure. Well, that does her. It. Giggity. Whatever. Giggity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see you guys on the next one. Peace.